The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Welcome to the Roadwire Prospect Podcast. I'm your host, James Anderson, and I'm joined this week by Dylan White, who uh, does really good work for Prospects Live. Um, used to just kind of do his own thing on on Twitter with the the formula in all caps. Uh, but Dylan is uh, is really great at at kind of pinpointing uh, breakout prospects early in the season. And uh, so I'm going to have Manda to talk about breakouts and which ones we're really buying in on. Uh, but first, Dylan, thanks for for joining me. How are you doing? Not too bad. Happy to be here as always, James. Thanks yeah, man, this is this is uh, we got to do this over the the off season, and uh, yeah, uh, great to have you back. Uh, before we get into some specific players, why don't you kind of just tell people like sort of what you've been doing over at Prospects Live? Yeah, so the formula that you referred to is now called Robo Scout, patent pending. Um, <laughs> uh, the the pitching version is called Throbo Scout. Um, Basically, I take the it's results based, stats based. Um, I apply park factors. I regress. Uh, I think generally appropriately, um, and then I rank them. There's an age adjustment as well, um, and it spits out a number from zero to a hundred. I'll be using that heavily in this uh, in this podcast. Um, yeah, and uh, we're about to release our top five hundred uh, update. I know you're working on yours. Uh, I don't know how you managed to keep up with it because it's just a it's a nightmare just for me, and uh, I don't know how you do it uh, for years, um, but that's what we're working on now. That should be coming out uh, hopefully this weekend, maybe next week. Well, yeah, I mean, how challenge? It's so challenging to do these updates in season, right? But I, I think this is the hardest update of the entire year. This first in season update. Would you Would you agree with that? Uh, I don't really have much to go on, or, but it's sure. definitely. Definitely, definitely difficult. Exactly like you say. Like, which which uh, results do you buy in on? What do you do about the, like the DSL guys who haven't played yet, or who are supposed to come stateside, haven't started the complex league? Um, you don't want to overreact. You don't want to underreact. Obviously, everyone wants to know what the experts think, and so there's a lot of pressure in that way. Maybe that doesn't apply to you, but it does definitely for me. I feel a responsibility. Um, <laughs> so it's I don't know. I I as you know, I, I analyze things to death. Maybe. Um, and so it's always like proximity versus age versus uh, recent uh, history versus in the past, et cetera, et cetera. And I just like go crazy just trying to figure out how to rank those. Yeah, I mean, it's it's tough. And and part of the reason why I'm not doing my first in-season update until uh, the end of this month is I just I, I don't want to kind of 
lead people astray. Uh, it's certainly speculating season. You know, you can spec on these breakout guys, but uh, we're still dealing with such a small sample that, um, you know, one prospect having a really good or a really bad next two weeks is going to drastically shift um, the way that their season stats look. So it's it's so challenging to try to not overreact while also you know, react positively on some of the guys that, that you are really buying. But um, we're going to break down, you know, 10 or so of those guys that are off to great starts that you and I are both uh, really buying into. And uh, hopefully that gives people some some targets to, to add in free agency while they're awaiting these uh, prospect rankings updates. Uh, Dylan, why don't you start things off and, and give us one uh, prospect whose early start is something that you're really buying into? Uh, so the guy I like, and uh, Eddie Almaguer and I just did a podcast on Monday, Dynasty Podcast, and I mentioned him as a potential, the Anthony Volpe of this year, is Ezekiel Tovar from Colorado. Uh, shortstop, double A, 20 years old, I believe. He's always been a defense first guy, so anyone who's good defense up the middle is going to have a long leash, going to have a better chance to, to make it to the majors as well. But this year, um, he's kind of reined in the free swinging. Um, he had a very low uh, walk rate last year, but this year he's up to like 11 or 12 percent. Um, he's 300, 400, 500 type of like uh, major league equivalency based on how he's performing now. Speed, power, 2020. Like I like everything I'm seeing. Very young for the level. Um, he, he's my breakout, my number one breakout guy right now. Yeah, really the only thing that doesn't pop with him is the hard hit data that that I have and that we have on, on rotowire.com. Um, do you guys have any, any uh, other hard hit data on him that, that kind of gives you um, some confidence in, in the, the breakout being, being legitimate? Uh, uh, not this year. We don't have the, the access to Statcast this year, but I do like a expected barrel rate based on a number of the available stats. And his number is, uh, popping compared to last year, at least he, his, his exit velocities last year were kind of middling, um, even for the, his age. Um, but his expected barrel rate has gone up. Yeah. And our, our hard hit data, it's, it's a useful tool. I, I definitely don't think it is the, the be all end all. I mean, it's not, it's not perfect data. And so uh, it's, it's pretty bad. Um, but I think if you just kind of look at everything you uh, referenced in terms of the improvements, um, it's really hard to sort of poke holes in it and you don't need, you know, you don't need Tovar to be a 30 homer hitter for him to be a, a great fantasy option because of that speed, uh, because of the the home park. And um, I'm just, I'm kind of blown away by, by his uh, season so far because uh, you know, really struggled uh, after that promotion to high a last year uh, struggled in the AFL. I know that he wasn't um, it was a small sample in the AFL and everything. And he was working on some things, but still that's such a hitter friendly environment that typically guys who really struggle there, um, are going to struggle then the, the next season, but uh, not the case with him at all. Yeah, I, the one thing that I've noticed in the last couple of weeks is his his strikeout rate is kind of creeping up s- slowly. So I'm hoping that's just the league's starting to make some adjustments and uh, seeing how he'll bounce back is what I'm going to be watching. And he's definitely a classic guy where it's just like, I want to see, like, give me 
70, 80 more plate appearances. Um, and just let me see where this sort of settles because uh, if he were to keep up this level of production um, or something close to this over two or three months, I mean, that would be pretty impressive just given his age. I mean, he doesn't turn 21 until, until August. Um, so really handling a, a challenging assignment here. Um, okay. Uh, my first guy is um, someone who's sort of similar a little bit, I guess, to, to Tovar, but a, a much more well-known player, uh, former number one overall pick, Royce Lewis. Uh, I'm just, I'm all in on on what I've seen from Royce Lewis so far. I think uh, there's a case that he is back to being a, a top 10 overall prospect for Dynasty Leagues. Uh, just there's nothing really that you can sort of poke into his uh, start to the year statistically um, walking almost as much as he's striking out, which is just not something I ever thought I would say about Royce Lewis at any level. And that's, that's what's happening right now. And he's, he's quieted down his, uh, his big leg kick. Uh, he's really elevating with intent. Uh, I think it's a, it's a career low ground ball rate and uh, close to a career high pull rate. So he's really, uh, launching to to left field and he's he's got big time power like I think people think of Royce Lewis as sort of a um, speedster that's it's maybe kind of like a 15 homer 20 homer guy like he's got big time bat speed uh, he's gotten really strong uh, since entering pro ball and I think you know he he kind of has um, some similarities to me with Byron Buxton almost in a way where uh, maybe he enters the league and is it's all about the steals but then by the time he's 26, 27, 28, people are, are drafting him because they know they're, they're getting 30 homer upside there. So I, I just, I love everything I've seen from Royce Lewis so far this year. I, I totally agree. He's uh, in, in Robo Scout right now. He has an 89 in AAA and it's like seventh in the league. Um, if you're above 80, you're basically, you're, you're good to go. Um, uh, yeah, everything you said, I, I really like it. Just excited to see what he's going to do with Byron Buxton and Jose Miranda and all those guys. Kirilov, hopefully, if he comes back, because it'll be an exciting Twins team. Yeah, and I, I've been getting a lot of questions about like when is Lewis going to be up. Um, I do think it is stashing season on him in deeper leagues, but if I, at least if I were the Twins, I don't think I would even be thinking about promoting him. Uh, over the next few weeks, I think he's just he missed so much time, and this start to the season has just been so great. I would just kind of want to let him keep building these positive results and really like keep getting into this this rhythm that he's in, and don't don't do something that's going to kind of interrupt this season until he gets you know 200 250 plate appearances at AAA. Um, so I, I think it is stashing season on him. I just wouldn't expect him to be up until June or July, and He's obviously versatile enough defensively that uh, kind of unlike Jose Miranda, Miranda is kind of limited uh, defensively to, to only a few spots. Lewis could play anywhere. So I think once they think he's ready, odds are there will be a spot where he can he can help the big league team and he might even gain multi-position eligibility. Good. Do, do you have an idea where you think he'll play? You think he'll be second, third, left field? What? Um, I think, I, I think uh, third base uh make some sense um i mean he'd be he'd be an elite uh left fielder defensively um but i really think it's just going to kind of come down to sort of where the biggest opening is for them and 
Um, they can move him around too. Like they can give Carlos Correa a day off every few weeks. They can give um, Polanco a day off every few weeks. They can um, even play him in center field to, to put Bucks in at DH or something like that every now and then. So um, I think his bat is what's going to kind of get him up. And then I think he'll just kind of play wherever the opening is. Okay, so who is your uh, next breakout that you are buying into? I'm going to do another uh, Colorado Rocky shortstop. Uh, this time, I don't know if I can pronounce it right, but Adael Amador. Um, I remember when he signed in the international uh, signings, uh, Ben Badler was kind of big on him, but no one else in the industry um, was as high on him. And he kind of just slipped through the cracks. But right now he's, uh, oh, and one more thing is last year. So we had the StatCast data last year. Uh, one of my favorite graphs I do, even in the majors, is contact percentage on like the x-axis and uh, exit velocity on the y-axis. Uh, so I use 75th percentile exit velocity. And for an 18-year-old, he was in, so you want to be in the top right, contact and good quality of contact. And he was in the top right. Uh, for an 18-year-old, he was kind of right beside James Triantos. So um, obviously that had me have my eye on him. Um, and now this year, it seems like it's kind of actualizing and coming to fruition. He's uh, He looks like a, like a 300 hitter, like 280 hitter with like big, massive power. Maybe not as much speed, but uh, definitely liking what he's doing right now. Yeah, where do you... Like what have you um seen video on him? Like what would you guess he he measures in at right now? Uh, in terms of his body like, shape? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I I don't I don't know. I have seen video of the swing, but I am not very good at because uh, <laughs> yeah, I guess I'm just trying to figure out sort of um you know, does he is he gonna be sort of a, a middle of the order power hitter? Is that is that kind of um what, I think so what the hope is gonna be with him? Yeah. Yeah, I mean I think that that would be really exciting and uh you know, even teams as as dumb as the Rockies, you know, if you um, sign enough guys, um, some of them are going to break out every now and then. So that's interesting that we're opening it up with with a couple of Rockies guys. But uh, dig that. And Amador, I think in, in a lot of dynasty leagues, is probably still out there. Um, the first two guys we talked about, Ezekiel Tovar, Royce Lewis, I would assume are long gone in any kind of competitive dynasty league. But um I'm sure in deeper leagues, Amador was probably rostered even coming into the year, but uh, there's probably some where he's he's available. Uh, okay, uh, my next guy, um, talked about him a little bit on last week's episode, but uh, really been impressed with Cal Mitchell with the Pirates. And um, I noticed he hadn't played, he hasn't played in, in like five days or something. So I wonder if he's a little banged up. I couldn't find anything on that, but... Um, he he just checks a lot of boxes. I mean, he is 23, um, but he's he's at triple A. He's got just as many walks as strikeouts, and the strikeout rate's under 12%, which is really insane, even given how bad the pitching is at triple A relative to the big leagues. Uh, and he's made a point of emphasis to run more this year. Um, I think he uh, took issue with the fact that he was sort of seen as this no speed corner outfielder and already four for four on stolen base attempts. Um, and he's, he's really checking the boxes, the hard hit data on our site. Uh, he's popping there, uh, 38%, which is, which is excellent. And obviously the team context, um, you know, Royce Lewis, it's like, where is he going to play with Cal Mitchell? Um, I mean, he could be up 
any day now, really, uh, as long as he's healthy, because I think uh, there are definitely some spots uh, where they could upgrade in that outfield. Uh, what have you thought of Mitchell's start? Uh, I do like Mitchell. Um, he is an 86 on uh, RoboScout, which is also very good for AAA. Um, I've always had a soft spot for Jack Sawinski, who who they called up. Um, he hasn't really done much, but uh, I do like him. RoboScout's always liked him too. But uh, yeah, I like the Cal Mitchell call. We're in, in our top 500 update. We have him moving. I think you, I think I heard you say you have him like maybe 120 ish. We're kind of in the same ballpark, um, just maybe 175 to 200 area, which I think makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And I'd love for him to just get back um, in action here. Hopefully he's not injured um, seriously or anything like that. But I'd love to get a, a larger sample um, to work with on, on Cal Mitchell because. Uh, it's extremely impressive, but it's still just 69 plate appearances. So, um, you know, he could get back in the lineup today or tomorrow and and go on a rough patch. And then all of a sudden his his season doesn't look all that outstanding. But, um, you know, if we're, if we're just analyzing small samples, Cal Mitchell's small sample is, is right up there. Uh, who's the next guy uh, that you want to highlight? Uh, so I have another shortstop. Well, he's currently playing shortstop. That's where the Cardinals have him now. It's uh, Mason Wynn. Um, Robo Scout has him with a, a hundred uh, in high A. Damn. Uh, he's uh, yeah, super tooled up, athletic, huge arm. Since he also pitched, um, massive speed. He's got eleven stolen bases, no caught stealing, strikeouts and walks basically flat uh 14% walk rate, 17% strikeout rate, uh low ground ball rate. It's just kind of again, he's kind of actualizing everything that they'd hoped for. Uh maybe the hit tool is the one that uh, you'd be most concerned of, but it looks like he, he he's definitely showing well right now. So, Mason Win. Yeah, I love that call. Uh was a huge fan of Win uh heading into that draft and uh there had been like kind of conflicting reports here and there um, at different points of his pro career about whether or not they were going to still develop him as a pitcher, but uh, love that they've sent him out as a shortstop again this year, even after he struggled a little bit at high A, but he was 19 then. Um, and he's, you know, he's only hit uh, six homers in pro ball, but he does have some raw power that he's, that he's eventually going to tap into a bit more in games, I believe. So uh, I don't think this is just, you know, speed batting average on base. And that's it. I do think there is uh, some juice in that bat. Uh, and yeah, I mean, the, the upper trajectory with wind right now, uh, I mean, who knows where, where I'll have him ranked, but I would assume uh, if he kind of keeps this up, it'll be top 75, something like that. Uh, where do you, where are you guys going to slot him? Do you, do you know? Basically kind of the same spot inside the top 100 at the 75 area, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, he's, he's got the type of tools that are incredibly valuable in fantasy. So uh, really sky's the limit with him over the next uh, year, year and a half. Um, okay. Uh, going to get to another one of my uh, favorite breakouts this year, but first a message from our sponsors. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. 
Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Okay, we're back. Uh, this next guy was someone that I was... Uh, pretty bullish on for first year player drafts um but he's just even um further surpassed that uh granted i i do believe he is um uh banged up right now but um kyle manzardo uh the rays sent him to to high a and uh that was a pretty aggressive assignment for the rays i mean they don't they typically send their even their college draftees they'll just send them to low a and It'll be a slow um, upward move, but um, yeah, it's it's a bummer that he's uh, banged up right now. But um, was pretty perfect, um, albeit in a in a tiny sample at high A. So I think if you ended up with Manzardo, um, I would I would hold there for sure. Um, we don't have to spend a, a ton of time on him though, um, just given the the small small sample on his season. Um, do you have any any thoughts on Manzardo before we move on? Uh, no, I, I like what you said. Super good hit tool. Uh, Robiscoat has him as an 86 at high A, which is excellent as well. Nice. Nice. I'm loving this. I, I hope I don't mention someone where all of a sudden it's like, <laughs> yeah, Robiscoat's got him as a 52. Um, okay. Who's your next guy? Uh, my next guy is, uh, Luis Garcia of Washington. Yep. Uh, I've always liked him in, in our, uh, Rotowire startup draft dynasty that we did. Um, I took him, and Matt Eddy immediately DM'd saying I sniped him. <laughs> so I'm happy about that. 
just he's always shown up on Robo Scout or the formula because he's always been young for the level. Um, he's still only 22 right now, which blows my mind. He hasn't um, even turned 22 yet. He's oh, is uh, that right? He turns 22 in um, less than two weeks. So even better. Crazy. And <laughs> I, I, it totally shocks me. But like on the, on the podcast I was referring to earlier that I talked with Eddie, um, I kind of see like a DJ LeMayhew uh, type profile. Like they they both have kind of high ground ball rates, um, good hit tool, um, good contact. So you know like. 280 to 300 in a, in a, in a good solid year with, you know, maybe up 20 home runs he gets into not much speed, but just solid production all around. And he's so young, he'll be doing it for a long time. That's kind of what I hope. Well, how is he ever going to, how's he ever going to break through um, <laughs> when they have Alcides Escobar and uh, well, just Alcides Escobar playing shortstep. <laughs> how's, how's he going to get his shot? It's going to be difficult. Definitely going to be difficult. <laughs> they they actually they, they brought up D. Strange Gordon. I don't know if you missed, if you caught that while you're on vacation, um, and sent down Lucius Fox. So they're uh, trying to do something. I just can't <laughs> see that it's Luis Garcia is the answer. <laughs> that's so funny. I mean, how can a guy that's like there's really nothing that he could do uh, at AAA really um, that would like impress us any more than, than we already are impressed with him. Right. It's basically just, he has to get back up to the majors and we have to see if he can kind of get over this, this hurdle against big league pitching. Yeah, that, that's exactly it. I, I don't know why they're not giving him the chance. Maybe they think that his confidence will get shot or something, but they're definitely slow playing him for some reason. And I, I think Luis Garcia is kind of almost a, a perfect test case for just the, the gap between AAA and big league pitching, because everything in his statistical profile would suggest that he should hit the ground running against big leaguers uh, has the strikeout rate under 14% uh, young for the level uh, just incredibly productive so far. But I do think that gap is still just so massive that I don't think he is a sure thing to, to hit this next time. I, I hope he does. I think he, um should at least be someone that you can deploy in in deeper 15 team and deeper leagues um once he's playing every day but um it's just going to be interesting to see how this this type of production from a 21 year old who's about to turn 22 how that does end up translating against big league pitching yeah i mean like clay davenport and, and jordan rosenblum's picked up the torch their major league equivalencies say the gap between triple a and the majors is like 30 points in wrc plus you just subtract he's a 165 right now which would suggest 135 because of the small sample and if he regressed it you know he's maybe around a 130 so that becomes league average hitter at the age of 21 slash 22 so he definitely showing the signs that historically he's performing at a rate that would be at least league average at the age of 22 so i can't see how he'd fail Okay, uh, my next guy is John Rhodes with the Orioles. Uh, interested to, to hear what RoboScout has to say about him, but um, I really think like people would have expected this exact line from his teammate, Colton Kowser, uh, who I believe is actually a tiny bit older than Rhodes, um, but they're from the same draft, right? Um, Kowser was the big money player. Uh, first rounder um yeah Kowser is a few months older um Rhodes went in the third round 
and he's the one with the elite strikeout rate and the walk rate of 12%, and he's hitting for average. He's hitting for some power. Um, I think he's he's got – power is kind of going to be his carrying tool, I believe. Um, but it's, it's interesting. I mean, he might be a, a pure hitter as well. I uh, definitely think we need to see him at double A at some point this year to kind of get a real test. But, uh, you know, the O's uh, have been pretty good at developing um, hitters over the past few years, especially guys that they targeted uh, after the first round of the draft. And I think Rhodes, um, I mean, he's just been so good. And it's just so interesting to compare and contrast him and Kowser, um, given the pedigree and just the gap in production this season. Yeah, so Robuscoat has Kowser as a 54 at the level and Rose as an 87. And then uh, Connor Norby, who I think was in the same draft, is a 75. So Kowser's doing the worst of those three. Um, we, Eddie and I, talked about John Rhodes too. So there's a common commonality here of these breakouts that we believe in. Um, I kind of likened him to like Avisail Garcia, kind mm. of, you know, 15 homers, 15 stolen bases, solid average. Um, like not jumping out, not killing your team, but not, you know, blowing away and giving you championships, but definitely a useful player. So I, I like that call. Yeah, I think, um, yeah, Avi, Avi makes some sense to me. I mean, I think the power, I think maybe like 20 to 30 homers at peak and then maybe like eight to 10 steals. Like he's a, He's a good athlete for his size, but he is, he's pretty big. Um, so I don't, I don't see him being like a 15 to 20 steel guy. Um, but I, I like the, the idea of, of that just sort of on base threat, who's going to hit, you know, 20 plus homers. Um, but yeah, like I said, double A is going to be the big test. And with a guy like Kowser, like he's another example of why, you know, doing a, a fresh set of rankings right now is just so, uh, dangerous because it's like what how much do you punish someone like that for um this slow start to the season um do you guys bump him like is, you know is he still like a comfortably inside the top like 150 for you guys do you think let's see here uh so it's an aggregate of me matt thompson uh eddie and justin dunbar and it looks like uh i haven't put mine in but the three of them are in the 60 to 70 range yeah, so I mean, they're, I guess I, I don't know where they had him before the season, but yeah. uh, that's even higher than I think I had him before the season. So, yeah, I mean, that's basically um, just full buy in that this is just a, a small sample fluke on Kowser. But I mean, I'm looking at that 34% strikeout rate. Uh, he should be dominating this level. Um, you know, number five overall pick uh, from college. I mean, this is where Sal Frelick and, and Henry Davis got assigned and. Uh, they're handling those assignments just fine. I mean, I think Kowser, if he told anyone um, that was high on him before the season that he was going to go back to high A, they would say that he would just kick the door down, but um, hasn't really been the case. So I, I need more data. I want to see uh, more plate appearances from him before deciding on where to rank him. Yeah, it looks like they ha we had him in the, the mid-40s, and so okay. it's a bit of a slip down to the 70s. So who's uh, who's your next guy? Uh, so I went to the mound now. So I got, uh, I hope I don't mispronounce this one too, but Brian Bellow, Brian Fellows, uh, Boston Red Sox, 23-year-old uh, double-A, I think repeating it. Um, just he's, he's so I, we had the stack cast last year. And so what I used, what I did, um, Jeff Ponce and I, 
um, is we look at like the average X Woba's average X uh, with percentage, etc. And I, I assign like a 20 to 80 grade compared to league average. Um, so his, and I wrote a, a series of articles on pitch arsenals. So Brian Bellows, three pitch mix was a four seamer. That was a 55 X Woba 50 with percentage. So average, but he throws 96 miles an hour. It's got the, the above average, like flat VAA, like, VAA to the good side. Um, his slider was a 55 60 uh, plus velocity plus spin. And his changeup was a 55 65. So he has um, using my metrics, he has three uh, above average to plus pitches. Um, and he's just doing the same thing. He's, he's even dominating even further now in double a. Um, so, and if you look at steamer 600 now, um, his numbers at the age of 23 without any major league experience are basically the same as Ian Anderson in terms of whip ERA, though a bit fewer Ks um, at the age of 23. So without even throwing a pitch in the majors, he's already projected to do that. I mean, sometimes they're not the most accurate minor leaguers using steamer, but uh, I just kind of give you an idea of what he can do. So I think he can stick as a starter. He throws mid to high nineties. His control is good. His ground balls are good. Um, he, he's he's my big big guy right now that's a that's a great call because a lot of people have been asking about him um yeah i mean i i, I wonder do you think he's more of a in the majors next year type of guy or or could he just force the issue um later this summer I mean, it's tough. Like the way they're handling Tanner Houck and, and, and Garrett Whitlock, like they're not really sure what they're doing with them. And then Chris <laughs> Sale's going to be back. Like, are they in the bullpen or are they starters? Or are they five and dive? Are they the, the followers? Who knows? Uh, are they the closer? Like Whitlock has gotten a save. Um, so I would think all things being equal, he would be up this year. Um, but I'm not really sure how, the, how they're handling these guys. Um, Walk is doing well. Pavetta isn't doing well, but his metrics aren't as bad as he's showing. They could use him for sure. Um, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't stash him for redraft. Mm-hmm. And, of course, he could just come up as a, as a weapon out of the pen, like a, a multi-inning uh, relief weapon this year, and then get stretched back out next year, and he could help them in, in the playoffs uh, in that type of role. So. Uh, even if he did come up, not a not a guarantee to be in a fantasy friendly role. Uh, okay, my next guy is also a pitcher, uh, Gordon Graceffo, uh with the St. Louis Cardinals. Uh, that's G R A C E F F O. Uh, he was the 151st pick in last year's draft, and uh, friend of the show. Nate Handy was was telling me uh, about how great he thought Graceffo looked, and I I went and and dig some di- did some digging, and I I came away very impressed. Um, the fastball is a is a big time weapon. He, he throws three secondary pitches, um, all pretty good movement. Um, he just a guy that generates whiffs, um, really competitive. Um, I, I like a lot of his sort of intangibles on the mound and Cardinals. I mean, that's, that's a great org to be a pitching prospect in. Uh, and he's 22. He's at high A. He's absolutely dominating there. So I don't know how much longer he's going to be there. Maybe they get him up to like 10, 12 starts at high A before giving them the bump to, to double A. But uh, Gordon Graceffo, I think, could could move pretty quickly. Uh, starter all the way 
for me. And, um, you know, these types of pitching prospects that just kind of pop up out of, not out of nowhere, but um, not a guy that I think was rostered in many dice leagues coming into the year. These types of guys, I think you got to, you got to act quick, especially when they're the college types that can move quickly to the majors. Yeah. I just picked him up actually in my 20 team uh, OBP dynasty last week. Um, he's the guy that was throwing a hundred in spring training. Is that right? Uh, was he? Maybe, I don't know. Man, I, uh... I thought he was, I thought, uh, Jeff Ponce had a, had an article about him, uh, doing that. Um, I don't know what else he needs to do in, in high A. He's thrown yeah. 27 innings already. He, his walk rate is 2%. He's got a 0.51 whip. Um, it's, uh, yeah, I, I, I mean, this is why I picked him up. Rubber scouts all over him. What, what I did, did I tell you the number? 87. Um, when I when I looked at his stat cast last year, um, using those same metrics, he his two seamer was a 65 slash 50. So I call that you know, above average. His slider was 60, 60 X Woba, 60 whiffs. So that's plus. His curveball was 55, 50. Uh, so average to above average and his changeup was 50 slash 60. So he's got four, four pitches that are average or above, which is definitely a recipe for making it in the rotation. Um, probably possibly mid rotation. Like you said, Cardinal Cardinal magic is, is, is real for pitchers and hitters. So uh, I love that call. And uh, like I said, I picked him up. So I'm walking the walk too. Yeah. And you were, uh, you were right. Uh, Jeff did uh, have a, a tweet from, um, March, uh, where Graceffo hit a hundred, um, per the track man, uh, at the game he was at, but it was a, a lot of 97s and 98s, uh, which from what I've seen of him, he is pretty much parked in the upper nineties. Um, and with all those secondary pitches, I mean, that, that could just be a deadly combination. So, uh, now would be the time I think to add Graceffo, even in leagues where maybe 200 prospects are rostered. I, th- I think he's uh, comfortably going to be inside my top 200 on the next update, assuming he stays healthy. Yeah, last year his his average fastball was 94.6, uh, max was 98. So it looks like he's you know added some velocity there. Um, looking at at our top 500 coming out, uh, two of us have him inside the 200, one of us inside the 300. So kind of early 200s. Yeah, and and like I said, I mean these. Pitching prospects are different for me than than hitting prospects in terms of how quickly I'm willing to fully buy in on a guy uh, because they just pitching prospects just show you how good they are and you can only see you only have to see them for one start really and the pitches kind of add up to what they are whereas a hitter you need you know all that uh, data to to really kind of feel confident about a guy but um, with a pitching prospect like this. Uh, I mean, that there's no reason why he couldn't finish the year even at AAA, honestly, and be set for an early 2023 debut. So, um, you know, pitching is is really coveted in some dynasty leagues. So, definitely run out and grab him. Um, if that's the case in yours, uh, who's your next guy? So, I went another pitcher. Um, he just got promoted to high A for the Braves. Uh, it's Roy Bersalinas. Uh, 21 year old at uh low way so far, uh, 56% strikeouts, uh, 0.93 whip, uh, 23.4% swinging strike rate. He's just like racking up the case. Um, 
the one thing or two things maybe to to be worried about are he's kind of uh round yeah <laughs> in, in body shape um so i don't know how that'll how that'll hold up um and his control isn't the greatest um there was this one game where he i think he struck out 12 out of 12 or he had four innings 12 strikeouts so all outs by strikeout but he also walked five i think um so no balls in play basically um he may, because of the control problems, he may not be a starter. So I'm maybe a little more lukewarm on his prospects, but uh, you can't deny like the, the the data that he's showing right now. Yeah, that was the the physique was the one kind of negative I had on him uh, on last week's episode. I mean, the the stuff is definitely electric, uh, but I, I sort of got uh, Bruce Dar Gratterall body vibes and. Uh, that can affect the command and the control. Um, Roy Barcelinas is the guy we're talking about here, um, but uh, that can also lead to just you know back issues and, and stuff like that, and it can prevent a guy from really uh, maxing out in terms of innings. So, uh, all things to watch with him. But I mean, I think you gotta gotta add him in in most dynasty leagues if if he hasn't already been scooped up, just given uh, the strikeout stuff that you alluded to. Um, any idea where you're going to slot him personally on, on your update? Uh, 250 to 300. I think it's because of, uh, because of the question marks surrounding him. I, you don't want to invest too heavily, but, uh, mm-hmm. you know, you also don't want to miss out. So I think yeah. I have Graceffo a bit higher than him, like a bit better than him. Okay. Yeah. That, that makes sense to me too. I, I feel more confident that Graceffo is a starter long-term, um, but, um, both big time bat missers. Uh, do you have another positive one here? I'm I'm all out of my my positive ones. Um, uh, yeah, let's see here. All right, th- I couldn't remember if you sent me five or six. Um, or no, you got you got to all of them. Never mind. Um, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but I okay, can I can okay. always just pull okay. up or it was good all day. Now now we can uh, now we can kind of pour some cold water on on some guys who are putting up huge numbers uh i can start that off um now i think this is a i think this is an everyday big leaguer uh at some point um i just think there's going to be a point here in the next few months where his value and dynasty really takes a hit uh, and that's nolan gorman uh putting up ridiculous numbers uh counting stats wise at least at triple a and he is young for the level he's not even 22 yet he turns 22 in a few days uh 11 home runs in 21 games obviously as you'd expect the hard hit data is great on him but um you know for people who were maybe not buying uh his org mate tyler o'neill in redraft because of the approach uh, well, just imagine if you had that approach at AAA and then what that approach might look like against big league pitching. Uh, we discussed how big the gap is. Um, you know, you have a guy like Cal Mitchell striking out less than 12% of the time and you have Nolan Gorman striking out 35% of the time and not even walking 8% of the time. Uh, to me, that's just a, a recipe for uh, major struggles against big league pitching whenever he does get that opportunity. So, you know, I don't think this is kind of, this isn't rocket science, right? Like I think people in dynasty leagues are going to know that, you know, the hit tool maybe isn't that great, at least right now, but 
but I do still think this might be the time to try to sell him. Uh, if you can get him to be valued as kind of a top 30 prospect overall, um, like I would make that move. Like if you could trade Nolan Gorman for uh, Michael Harris, I would make that move today um, because I do think he will get an opportunity here uh, sometime this summer. And I don't think he will do that well. And then at that point, people are going to have some concerns. And I think he might be a post hype guy next year. Like I'm not saying that he's just, he's never going to amount to anything. I just think there's going to be some growing pains against big league pitching. Yeah, it's uh he's a tough one. Same with the guy I'm going to pick. It's the same, same idea. Um, Robo scout has Gorman as a 100 at triple a because the power is just through the roof. Um, but like you said, the strikeout rate so high. I, I, I wrote a, I do a weekly RoboScout update article and I, I talked about it that strikeout rate obviously puts pressure on the batting average, but it's not really correlated to WRC plus. Um, I looked at uh, Joey Gallo had a 36% K rate in AAA and 660 total plate appearances. Obviously he's carved out a, a career. I mean, he has monster power. Uh, Gorman's is pretty, pretty <laughs> got good raw as well. So um in a, in a batting average league, yes, I totally agree. It's not going to look pretty, but it's just you can't really deny that the power is just so elite right now. The 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 power output, um, so it's tough. I totally understand. I totally agree with everything you're saying. I I think he has a very high chance of flaming out, um, but right now, <clears throat> like the numbers are suggesting, he could still carve out a, a major league career. Yeah, I, I I totally buy that. Like I I think he could have a um like a mike moustakis type of career um which would be nothing to nothing to sneeze at um i i'm very interested in just why his strikeout rate has gone through the roof like this um when you look at what he did last year uh i mean i knew obviously coming out of the draft the hit tool was the big question with him um so i i think he might be maybe and, and that's the thing, like the environment at AAA, it's so easy to put up monster numbers there that it can maybe mess with a guy's whole approach uh, because he's he's maybe developing bad habits while having extreme success. And so it's you're not going to necessarily change what you're doing if you're Nolan Gorman and you're hitting 317 with a 427 ISO, right? Like, why would you change what you're doing when you're having that kind of success? Uh, but I just... I think if he kept that same approach in the majors, um, there would be struggle. So I, I'm definitely not saying he's going to be a, a long-term bust. I just think he's uh, there's going to be a point here in the next few months where his value takes a dip, unless he can just really um, start making some improvements uh, here at AAA. And he's, he's certainly – he has age on his side. Uh, he's ahead of schedule. Um, so, I mean, he could head back to AAA next year, and he'd be 22. Um, so it's not like he's – under the gun to make these changes happen um, overnight or anything like that. Yeah. I wasn't suggesting that I, I wasn't challenging your assessment at all. I totally agree. It was more of a rumination of like, how do we handle these guys? Yeah. Cause I could see that path that you're talking about play out, but like, I don't want to necessarily miss out on a, on a Gallo type season or career. All right. Who is your, uh, your prospect that you're not uh, fully buying what he's, what he's selling right now? Yeah, so it looks like it's a Cardinals prospect. It's uh, Moises Gomez, former uh, Tampa Bay Ray. Same idea as, as Gorman. Incredible pop. They were tied for home runs, the home run lead uh, 
couple of days ago. I think Moises actually is in, in front now, 12. Um, 28.8% strikeout rate, um, 245 WRC plus. So again, it's like he, his his output is so transcendent that it kind of overcomes the, the the strikeout rate. And so RoboScout has him as a 95 in double A, um, tied with Ezekiel Tovar. Um, but everything you said, exactly the same, um, except Gomez's track record is, is not as high being able to do this. Um, so obviously a bigger chance of flaming out than Gorman. Uh, he's in double A, so he's, he's a year behind. He's also 23 years old, so he's older. Um, I, I still would put, take a flyer on him and, and, and have him in your kind of churn and burn slot in, in a dynasty league because you don't want to miss out in case, you know, he kind of does what Pete Alonso did or whatever and comes up and dominates right from the beginning. But, uh, you know, don't don't expect that it's going to be a sure thing at all. Yeah, I mean, he's almost two years older than Gorman, and like you said, he's he's a level behind him. Um, I, the way I would put it is, like, Gomez is definitely going to be added to my top 400 on the next update, but I'm not going to have him ranked in a place where it's like, you got to go at this guy. Um, you know, he's, he's, and he's also uh, kind of a tough fit defensively. I, I don't really think, uh, unless the scouting report has changed, uh, I don't really think he's a, a value add in the outfield. So um, really going to have to do all the work with his, with his bat. So you got to watch that, that hit tool a little bit. Um, okay. Uh, should we, should we talk about some, some big leaguers that we were super right about and super wrong about? <laughs> sure. Why not? <laughs> um, <laughs> so hmm, how do we want to do this? Should we do, should we do good first or bad first? doesn't um, matter. Uh, let's do, let's do bad first. Uh, so I was looking back at my, um, NFBC player shares um, from before the season. And uh, both of these guys are pitchers. My, my good one and my bad one are pitchers who were, uh, who I was getting either just inside the top 300 or just outside the top 300 uh, in redraft leagues. And they, um, you know, the idea is if you load up on pitchers in that range and you hit on a few, uh, that can really kind of carry your staff and do a lot of heavy lifting there. And every year there's guys in that range that really pop. Uh, but this first guy has not popped. And in fact, he's been so bad that I dropped him like a week into the season in AL labor, uh, which is not necessarily something that, that happens very often. I wouldn't imagine in that league on guys that people bought for $4 in the auction, but I basically just saw one start from Carlos Hernandez of the Royals. And I was just like, Nope, uh, not <laughs> wasn't, wasn't right about this call. And, um, I, I was all over Hernandez even before, uh, Rob Silver, like kind of pumped him up at, on the pitch con thing. So this, this wasn't, uh, that was more kind of, um, someone smart sort of confirming, uh, a bias that I had on, on Carlos Hernandez taking a step forward this year. And it's, it's kind of an organizational wide issue. The Royals just have really struggled to develop pitching. Uh, they had, I mean, Sal Perez was the worst framer in baseball last year, so that's not helping either, but uh, Hernandez's command is just so bad uh, that it doesn't really matter how good his stuff is, at least at this stage of his development, maybe he can figure some things out, but 
Um, Hernandez was one of my foremost rostered players in NFBC leagues. I traded for him in a dynasty league over the off season. And uh, he's basically a cut for me in almost any format at this point. Yeah. So I, I, I played with Alex Chamberlain's pitch leaderboard in the off season. Um, doing that, that exercise I was just talking about the stat cast um, with the minor leaguers. So taking the X Woba and the whiff percentage um, per pitch and then giving it a 2080 grade. And I, I tweeted about this actually in January that in 2021, there were five, sorry, six pitchers that had five pitches um, that were all average or better. So 50 or better. Uh, Corbin Burns, Brandon Woodruff, Walker Bueller, Charlie Morton, Luis Garcia, and then Carlos Hernandez. So I was kind of <laughs> all in too. I like, I'm not was not expecting this kind of fall off. In fact, he would be kind of one of my sleepers, obviously um, using that, that same metric. Right. So that's a shame. Yeah. I mean, it was, <laughs> it was very easy to just sort of look at the ingredients in his arsenal and maybe even like watch some of his starts uh, when things were working for him uh, last year. And like when he's, when he's on, he looks very impressive. Uh, it's just, it's uh it's not it's pretty painful to watch him watch him pitch at this point so um yeah i mean that one i was super wrong on that one but you know when you're taking a pitcher when you're loading up on a pitcher who's probably go, he's probably going like 330 or something like that in drafts um when you load up on a pitcher there and you're wrong you can just cut your losses and move on and, and hopefully you didn't uh, do too much damage to your ratios yeah, so my guy, my my bust, um, same thing I said before about contact versus exit velocity, a guy who always showed up in the last couple of years but hadn't been able to play a full season was Cattell Marte. Mm. Um, always liked him, always good contact, 280, 300 hitter. The exit velocities are always good, so it's like expected home runs or whatever would always be high. Um, and so I took him – I, I tried to target him in, in all my dynasties. Wasn't that successful. Uh, I took him in the fifth round in TGFBI. I was pleased as punch to do so. And he has just been terrible. Um, the, the diamondback signed him to, a to the extension as well. Um, so, you know, appealing to authority, I thought, you know, they know that he's in for the long haul and he's going to have a nice, good career. Um, so it just made me more confident and it's just, it's been terrible so far. Do you think it's, uh, something that he's going to kind of work himself out of. Well, I certainly hope so. He he actually has done pretty good the last couple of days. He, he's I think he was two for two just before I came on the pod today with two runs. Um, so I hope he's turning it around. He he was batting second and now he's sort of like sixth or seventh, and he he's had a few off days too. So I think they're just trying to get him right. I think he had an eye issue uh, in spring training too, so maybe that's bothering him. Maybe from one side of the plate, I haven't really dug in on the splits, but uh, I think he's going to be, you know, average at least. Um, but I don't know if he's going to return that fifth round value that I was hoping for. Yeah. I remember before the season, uh, you could look at their line, their projected lineups and it was just like, there's Kettle Marte. And then there's just this giant cliff to whoever you think their second best hitter is. So you can bank on the playing time. You can bank on the spot in the lineup and everything. And uh here we are. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think he's got to be a pretty solid by low uh, target right now. Um, okay. Uh, my, the one that I 
so far have nailed, but uh, he's a pitcher, and uh, so things can go poorly uh, very quickly. But uh, Eric Lauer of the Milwaukee Brewers, um, just, you know, I didn't see the uh, velocity increase coming. So, you know, there's some luck involved with hitting on this one, and I wasn't expecting him to be basically like the ace of the, the teams that I have him on, but... Uh, he was, I think, my second most rostered player uh, just because of the cost and what I perceive to be a, a very high uh, start-to-start floor, um, especially given the team context and the division and everything. Uh, he made some uh, adjustments to his arsenal in terms of how often he was throwing stuff uh, last season, kind of halfway through the season, and he was just awesome over uh, about a 70-inning sample, and I, it looked legitimate to me. I thought he was probably their fourth best pitcher coming into the year, uh, either him or Ashby. And um, that increased velocity up to 94 uh, average on the fastball and the, the swing and miss um, breaking balls. I mean, he's just been uh, outstanding. So uh, that one paid off. I mean, if you if you have one Carlos Hernandez and one Eric Lauer, uh, it's going to be you're going to still come out ahead on that. Um, so been happy with that one. Yeah, I don't have any Eric Lauer anywhere, and it makes no sense why. He was one of my sleepers, him and Nestor Cortez and Luis Gil. So I'm not perfect (laughs) on that, but uh, and I don't have any of them anywhere. Um, I I do this in-season sort of every other day, download from Fangraphs, plug into my spreadsheet, and I do all sorts of like expected metrics sorting stuff. And I have Eric Lauer right now as like the 12th best pitcher rest of season. Like it's kind of ridiculous just what he's showing right now and I, I try to regress that too so it's not just small sample size stuff and it's just he he's definitely someone i regret not having anywhere how did you how did, like because i um lauer and like the four pitchers that i have the most there are my most rostered players were carlos hernandez lauer uh detmers and nestor cortez so two big hits uh, sort of a TBD on uh, Detmers and then a big miss on Hernandez. But um, was it just, were you kind of like getting cute in drafts and just hoping that they would kind of fall to their ADP? How did you, how'd you miss out? No, that, that's exactly what, what I did. Um, it's the, my, especially my TGFBI league. It's just the, the draft was just so everyone was sniping me like one round before they were quote unquote supposed to go or that, I, you know, I was kind of confident that I'd be able to get them at and it really threw me for a loop. So I lost Lau. I didn't get Edward Cabrera, which was, you know, maybe so far. Okay. But um, say a Suzuki, all these guys were, I was getting sniped a few rounds before I was hoping to get them. And it really threw me for a loop. You mentioned TGFBI. You, you and I were chatting about that. Um, uh, that's that's a competition that uh, you and I have uh, historically done quite well in. Uh, if uh, if your colleague Smada still did his uh, adjusted all time leaderboard, I think you and I would probably be uh, top three, top five, something like that all time. Uh, we were both kind of commiserating over the fact that our teams are kind of middle of the pack and not doing so hot. Uh, but your team has really caught fire here over the last uh, few days. Who Who's really been uh, lifting your squad? Uh, it was all in the last day. I was 175th <laughs> yesterday and now I'm 55 or something like that. Um, I got three wins. Um, uh, it, it's really Aaron judge is the guy who's, who's carrying my team right now. Um, 
no thanks to <laughs> the aforementioned Cattell Marte or even Joey Votto, who's just been killing me. Um, but yeah, I just it's just pure luck. So I think don't if you're not uh, feeling so hot about your team, don't give up because you can gain 120 points, 120 spots in the in the overall overnight, literally overnight. So it's clearly way too early to to think to time to pack it in or to give yourself a pat on the back. Yeah. So I mean, my the funny thing about my rough start is that the two probably biggest culprits are. Um, guys that I would have thought before the season were maybe sort of the safer veteran players on my team. Uh, I, I stupidly took Whit Merrifield. Um, gosh, what was that? Like early third or something like that. Uh, I'd never take Whit Merrifield and I, I started with Trey Turner and I really wanted to, to get the steals for the overall prize and, uh, lock up my batting average, uh, and Whit Merrifield's just been terrible. And, uh, that was just a really stupid pick for a variety of reasons, but like I, I got jazz, uh, later. And so with Turner and jazz, you know, I kind of had the speed I needed from the middle infield. So I just didn't need Merrifield, uh, what he was projected to give me. And, uh, my team is just terrible in terms of power. And I just totally whiffed on that. I should have taken, um, some sort of, power hitter there um and that that was a huge mistake but then the other guy who's really let me down is charlie morton uh who i would have thought would have been uh, just incredibly rock solid this year and I, I think he will turn it around but um yeah i'm just kind of treading water middle of the pack nowhere near you in the overall but hopefully that'll that'll change all right uh dylan why don't you let people know uh one more time where they can uh, subscribe uh, to the Robo Scout feature at, at Prospects Live. Yeah, so we have a bunch of tiers in our Patreon at Prospects Live. Um, Robo Scout is in the ten dollar per month tier. Um, updated weekly. Um, I have a, a, an update, uh, like an article that accompanies it, where it's like big movers. Uh, who I'm taking, who I'm not taking, who I'm not buying into, um, what size league type of thing. Uh, we have an incredible amateur draft team who've done their top 400. We're coming up with our top 500. Um, like I said, probably by next week, we got live looks. Uh, we got uh, big news. We just signed a podcast of Cole Wilcox, uh, minor league prospect Cole Wilcox, as part of our our uh, prospects live network cool. um, that just came today. So a lot of a lot of big things happening. Um, my Twitter is the arrival with two underscores between the and arrival. Um, a terrible handle, but uh, <laughs> sticking with it. <laughs> um, Can't change it now. Yeah, exactly. Because of all my all my followers will get confused. <laughs> um, but that's where I am right now. Are you going to, because you weren't with Prospects Live uh, last year for the uh, mock draft that they do every year, right? Are you going to get to um, GM a a team for that this year? Uh, I I don't really feel comfortable enough with my body of knowledge for that. (laughs) But if they ask me to, of course, I'll I'll, I'll join in, but I'd have to give a lot of caveats that, uh, you know, I'm the wrong guy to do it. (laughs) Well, yeah, definitely, definitely subscribe, uh, support Prospects Live via their Patreon. Um, they do really good work, a uh, bunch of really good people over there. Uh, love, love doing stuff with those guys. And, and Dylan's 
uh, Robo Scout tool is is worth that Patreon price uh, alone. And then uh, be on the lookout for their big uh, updated prospect rankings, which it sounds like are going to be out uh, before mine are. Uh, I'm hoping to get mine done uh, maybe like the Monday or Tuesday uh, before Memorial Day weekend. Um, but I, I assume the prospect live ones are going to be out uh, even before then. So. Uh, no better time than to, to go over to, to Prospects Live and sign up for their Patreon. Um, really appreciate you joining me, Dylan. Uh, this was a ton of fun, and uh, hopefully we can catch up soon. Yeah, anytime. Thanks, James. All right, this has been the Broadwire Prospect Podcast. I'm James Anderson. I'll be back uh, next week. The headlines remind us daily, the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine. Stop noticing. But you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over three million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour 3-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com